Now back to On the Block with Strick and Austin on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Oh, yeah. Welcome back. We're on the block. It is the 3.30 time frame. 3.33. On the block, we're going to talk about the recap of the first week and what was going on, what's happening, what some things, some thoughts, and maybe even some concerns about some teams that are out there right now. We'll do a little bit of recap. We'll start on the text line. You guys are on fire. We appreciate you. 402-464-5685. Thank you, and keep them coming. There's some, uh, um, you know, there's one I'm going to throw out to you because uh, texter 4131 says uh, on the Sutter Hammond text line, what are your thoughts on KU versus Illinois on Friday night? Have you seen the uniforms? First of all, let's just take a second and bask in the fact that Kansas Duke last year, Duke Northwestern and Kansas Illinois are all legitimate football games that people are interested in. That's just wild. That's wild. So I'm going to be locked in on Kansas and Illinois, especially because it's Friday night. Uh, I'll have a chance to sit down and watch that one a little bit. Uh, Nick and I were very disappointed in Illinois pulling off the victory against Toledo, uh, who's picked to to win or at least contend for uh, the MAC title. Uh, Daquan Finn did his thing, especially late in that game. I think Illinois was a little lucky to get out with the win against um, against Toledo at home, but they, they found a way. They took care of business. Good for them. Kansas was down Jalen Daniels. Mm-hmm. Uh, Their starting quarterback that was electrifying from last year, so Jason Bean got the start. Jalen Daniels supposed to be back. I don't love week one for him against Illinois, a game you know like Missouri State to, to ease into I think would have been nice, but he's an electric player. Lance Leipold is a good coach. We'll see if uh, Bielema and Co. can take it on the road. Sauter Hammond text line, texter 8704 says, Strick, and this is what, what, what I actually said on, on, on the break. He agreed with me. Indiana was doing that a lot, and that's who it was against. It, it was the Indiana game mm. that I was seeing. It, and I was like, this looks like a, a Jeff Sims style to me. Some of you guys also said, uh, Texter1231 said, the Nevada pistol. That's what I think, that's what Indiana kind was of looking Kaepernick like. Kaepernick era? Yeah, it was looking something like that. I, I, I think that fits better than the traditional drop back, the traditional. I just really think that Jeff, Jeff Sims is a one, two one read. read guy. One, make it simple for him. One read dump off. One read drag. One read, um, you know, and 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 if not, run it or throw it away. I mean, like, can you can you cut the field down in half too by yeah. rolling him out quite a bit? Yeah, but 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 his eyes have just got to change. Even if he's a one read, it's okay to peek at it, go left, and come back to it. And if it's not there, do something else. I just, I, I really, I really, he doesn't. Like I said, um, he he looked to me when he was coming to the line. Like you can look at certain quarterbacks when they get to the line, like even Shador, like I was looking at Shador, I was looking at, um, you know, uh, uh, McCarthy, I was looking Mm -hmm. at other, when they get to the line, okay, what are they in? Okay, we got motion, come on. Okay, okay, they're not moving, that's going to be probably a zone, what is it, two deep, three, maybe a cover three, okay. This is then this pattern, this route tree may work for me right here. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's just understanding. And then one, two, run. Mm-hmm. RPO, look, nothing, two, run. 
That's what I'm. That's that's what I'm hoping because he. I don't think he has good reads. So that okay. That that brings me to this question though. RPO, I get it's what's hot, but if you don't trust Jeff Sims to make the right read, do you want him running a lot of RPO? Oh, uh, well, yeah, right? that's a great question. I don't, don't think so. Do, do you want to give him power to, to check into anything or to make that read? Like, Oof. it's one thing if it's a zone read, right, where he has one key. You're reading that, that defensive end. Yeah. Does, he, does he dive? Does he stand still? If that's your one read, it seems like he's comfortable doing that. But to factor in all the motion, all the, the possible alignments – Going against you know, mind like Charles Kelly, you would think going against Tony White's defense would help with that mm-hmm. to some degree. But if Jeff Sims isn't comfortable in making those reads in game two of the season, just give him a play and let him run it. Don't give him more to think about. Give him less. Yeah. Well, we talk about the Pac-12. The Pac-12 got busy. I got a, I got one I want to throw out to you now. Oh. <laughs> huh? You got something? Brad. Brad, oh, you did it. You it took it took till September fifth. I miss Adrian. Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah, hey. I mean, even right now, I miss Casey <laughs> It took Thompson. till September 5th. You know, I honestly, um, I've got to say that. But I will say this, though. Um, with the Pac-12 success, there's a team out in the Pac-12 that a lot of people kind of just looked over. Everybody was looking at Washington. Everybody was looking at Oregon. Everybody was USC. looking at Arizona State, USC. The, the, what, what's Arizona State and Arizona going to do? Because they were probably thinking about basketball. Mm-hmm. But the overlooked squad – it's Oregon State. Like they're actually, you know, you gotta watch out for them. They've got they've got something going on there. DJ looks like he had a little bit more comfort, you know, two thirty nine, not nothing over they weren't asking too much of him. Three touchdowns. He did what he had to do. Uh, come up with a big win. Uh, is, do you see them making an impact in the Pac-12 with how difficult it is now? It makes they, it a little bit tougher. They can they can have something to say. I still think they're kind of kind of what I said about Duke at the end of our conversation about them. They haven't done it at that highest level yet, so they have to prove that they do have that breakthrough in them. But if they're eight and four, nine and three, I think that's a continued step in the right direction. It'd be you know pretty close to plateauing from from last year. But that's a solid spot for Oregon State right now, especially in the last year of this conference as we know it, especially as they're looking for a new home, yeah, trying themselves. to figure out what they are. Mm-hmm. I- I'm glad for DJ Ngalale to have some success for his sake. He had the great game uh, when Trevor Lawrence was out against Notre Dame, uh, you know, 400-some yards passing, quite a few more rushing. What Clemson has asked its quarterbacks to do, though, from Taj Boyd to Deshaun Watson to Trevor Lawrence was ask their quarterbacks to be superhuman. DJ looked like he could be that next guy, just didn't live up to it at Clemson. Doesn't mean he's not a good quarterback. He just might not be an all-time college football, you know, elite prospect type of guy. So if what Jonathan Smith and Oregon State are doing are asking him to be himself and not do too much, absolutely a guy with an arm like that and legs to make something happen can thrive. Moving on, we, we, we go across the Missouri River. And uh, we find ourselves at a place called Iowa. Iowa, there's uh, some stipulations there over in Iowa. They need some uh, amounts of scores in order to make things to work. They came up a little bit short of that against the Utah State team, 24-14. What say you, being the 25th ranked team against the Utah State team, that uh, I really think probably should have did a little bit more work on? I just think it's funny that they ended up a point short. Utah State's probably among the easier games on their schedule and they still only got to 24. Very Iowa win, workmanlike from, from start to finish. Not exciting. They did what they came to do. But, hey, now they got to score 26 in one game. Yeah. You know, they're, they're point behind. Watch out, Brian. Let's move over 
to something that we're hoping to see with this Nebraska team because they just stayed with it. Wisconsin against Buffalo, 38-17 to win. There's, there's nothing sexy about it. But they did something that we're probably hoping that Nebraska has the ability to do this weekend, and if they could, it would give them a shot to win the game. Uh, do you see out of the Iowa or the Wisconsin, who is the biggest challenge in the in in the uh, the final season of the, the the West Division? I still think Iowa's better. I do. I, I trust that defense. I think McNamara will get things figured out toward the end of the year. Wisconsin's. I, I still think there's just too much change, whereas Iowa might be too much the same mm. in some places. I think there's just a little bit too much change and not necessarily exciting change uh, right away for Wisconsin. Mordecai was fine. I mean, completed 75% of his passes, but 24 completions for 189 yards, that's not explosive. Really feels like the same old Wisconsin passing game, except we had the same old Wisconsin rushing game. Mm-hmm. If you look at This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Malusi and Allen, 30 carries between them for basically 300 yards. I mean, basically 10 yards a carry between those two. You knew the backfield was going to be good. The defense was eh, 17 points allowed to Buffalo. Whatever. Not great. Not terrible. Wisconsin doesn't excite me right now. I don't know what it is they're going to hang their hat on if it's not the running game, which they kind of got away from in the middle of the game, but then definitely went back to in the second half to salt it away. Well, let's talk about, you know, hanging their hat on something. The Tennessee Volunteers against the Virginia Cavaliers uh, come up with a 43-13 win. Now, Joe Milton ends up winning that uh, quarterback battle over Nico uh, Lamaleva, and um, and Lamaleva is making a big bag on the Bank. NIL. Um but, like I said, he didn't have to. He wasn't forced to do much. 21 for 30, solid, very mm-hmm. accurate. Uh, but the running game, almost 300 yards on the ground. And and I think if Tennessee continues to operate in that, mo- that, that modus of operandi, do they have a shot at making some noise in the SEC? The issue for them is their division, and they play in the East. Uh, they got to beat Georgia. That's what it comes down to. That's their measuring stick. They're they're clearly better than Florida at this point. Tennessee, you can talk me into as the third best team in the SEC. It's Georgia at number one. As bad as LSU looked in the second half, I think there's enough talent there. They'll get it figured out. And then it comes down to Alabama and Tennessee for that, that SEC three kind of spot. I still lean Alabama. Tennessee's, again, kind of got to prove that what it did last year wasn't the fluke. They'll be exciting. I really like that offense, and the defense is better than we give it credit for. I just don't know if I'm willing to put all my faith in Tennessee to make that big leap quite yet. Yeah, two more left. Um, let's start with this one first. Michael Penix actually went pretty nuts as well. Nutty. 450 mm-hmm. for five TDs. Uh, solid game for himself, 56-19 over a Boise State team, which normally Boise State's a little bit more competitive. Um, they'll get after you. They'll 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 defend you. They're, they're you know, little – gritty type of team mm-hmm. but uh the number 10 washington huskies huskies handled them 
uh, pretty well. Now, think about that, right? You have an Oregon team that just absolutely blew the doors off of things and a, and a Washington team that's going to be coming in. What say you of this game and what they look like and what type of trouble they could pose, not only in the Pac-12 for this last season, but also as they come into the Big Ten? I was bummed Boise State didn't do more. I thought they could put Washington on a little bit of notice. And they did through the first quarter. I mean, they led it 6 nothing after one. But then a 28-point second quarter, everything just came completely unraveled. Unhinged. Washington, USC, and Tennessee are all in a similar boat for me. You know what the offenses are. They're going to be good. Can the defense Which, which of those defenses gonna, steps right. up the most? Right, right. Agreed. Last one, because I think this is an interesting one. The reason being is, in the Big Ten East, this team has been like the stepchild that has been stepped on. Mm-hmm. And it's Penn State, as they faced West Virginia at a 38-15. Drew Aller, solid, 325 for three touchdowns. They're... You know, their their wide receiver, uh, Kay Lambert, was solid. Uh, great game. Four receptions. That means he was going deep. So he's got a good ball. Uh, Drew Aller, not crazy, didn't make mistakes. It wasn't nothing that just out of the quarterback played through over the weekend. But what – can they break through? Is this the year for them? Penn State looked the best of any of the three East powers, in my opinion. The defense gave up the most points. I mean, Ohio State and Michigan both only gave up a field goal. West Virginia's not good. I still think they're better than Indiana or what Eastern Carolina is at this point. But Aller looked the part. It's kind of what I was expecting to see out of Kate Klubnik. Mm-hmm. Honestly, two pretty highly touted guys. But I've been on the Drew Aller train for a couple of years now. Um, that was good to see. The defense, for the most part, did its thing. Run game, you know, had its moments for Penn State as well. I don't want to overreact to week one. Like I've been saying all show that to me is kind of the theme of the week until we get to Saturday is it's been one game. Let's not overreact, but you got to tip your cap to Penn state for coming out and looking the best of any of those three teams in the East did. So I'm not going to back off my, my, I I didn't pick Penn state, but they're my dark horse. And I think they didn't do anything to slow that down for me. Ooh. They're, they're the ones you think that can do some damage out there. Right? I, I like what Penn State's building, too. I do. Wow. Mm-hmm. I think their defense is better than advertised. I, I, I think they're solid. surprisingly mm-hmm. solid on that side of things. Oh, man. Listen, we're going to have take to take a call real quick. We got yeah, Brian. Yeah, let's get Brian on the phone. Let's Brian, thanks for holding what you got for us. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good afternoon. Good Same afternoon, What's Brian? up? What's on your mind? Yeah, so a quick question for you guys. So, have you guys uh, both been to Vegas? Yeah. I have not. I have. Okay, so bear, bear with me here. So you, they dig, build, build, dig, dig large buildings, casinos, and everything, correct? You know, so 88% of people are, are uh, betting on Colorado, which I would think is probably good for us, right? A lot of uh, hype, a lot of overreaction like we talked about, a lot of things to look into. So What was the line? That's going to work in our, yeah, I mean, that, that's huge, I think. I mean, if we can come out and control the ball, run the ball, uh, our defense, I think, is much better than TCU, and maybe they were probably not as good as they were last year, which, you know, that that was uh, their, kind of their time to shine. That kind of gives me a little hope. I mean, after after Saturday, I was like, holy crap, the sky's falling. But now after I started researching and doing some things, I'm like, I feel pretty good. So I just want to kind of see what you guys think. 
Thanks, Brian. Appreciate that. So, yeah, Strick, to answer your question, Nebraska was favored by a touchdown. Now it's Colorado yeah, by, three, by three, three, three and, and a half. And a half. Mm-hmm. I, I'm of two minds of this. So, first of all, Nebraska has gotten so used to being the underdog, and it hasn't necessarily worked out for the Huskers you know, over the last five years or so, which is where, again, I go back to Colorado having that proof of concept, getting that big win in week one. Beating Minnesota, even if Colorado beats TCU, if Nebraska had beat Minnesota, then you could say, oh yeah, we're disrespected. We took care of business. We did our thing. Why does Colorado get all the love? You know, they're writing us off. But you lost. So it makes sense that you're the underdog, and I think the team gets that. I would also understand that the human temptation to think that Dion, being as loud, confident as he is, you know, saying, I kept receipts, all of that, would leave a team, you know, kind of strung out there high and dry where they have to, you know, be on alert, really got to focus and lock it in. But from what I've heard and seen from Dion, he's comfortable operating as the favorite. He's comfortable operating in the hype. So I'm not necessarily worried that Colorado is too full of itself right now just because of the personality of their head coach. Well, that's the, and that's the thing that I said. I, I think he has an understanding of um, – because you can start smelling yourself. You can have teams that can kind of lose their way because they start smelling themselves and then mm-hmm. they'll get into a practice and they'll have some bum practices. But it's not necessarily, to me – what you do in one game is what you do on a con- – and, and I think that message is going to be relayed and conveyed to those Buffalo players because of the fact that you haven't done nothing. You know, yeah, we, we, we take this in. We did what we had to do. We believe that this could happen. But don't get it twisted. You've done nothing. And, and that, that's always been his mentality. You, mm-hmm. You've done nothing until you've, you know, finished the deal. And the deal's a long way, long way away from being finished. One twelfth so, or one thirteenth done at this you point. You know what I'm saying? So I, I think looking at their schedule, I would love to kind of do a breakdown and see what's possible for them in mm-hmm. a, in, a, in in the finalization. Because there's somebody that wants to make a name for themselves in the Pac-12 as they finish off uh, what's going to be probably the last ditch effort of the pack. What is it? The the uh, what Sutter Hamid text line? What was it? Right now. What was it? The uh, OK Corral. <laughs> the the Pac-12 OK Corral. Yeah. He's Eric Strickland. I'm Austin Dorman. Y'all are on the Sarder Heyman text line or the video stream. Jim, you're really popping off there. Don't give too much of the game plan away there, my friend. Uh, Sarder Heyman text line, keep it up. Uh, Jay will be calling in. Not sure if it's for the crossover or not. So let's just, let's just plan on Stricky and I finishing things out for on the block after this.